We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Six Man Show on Orlando Magic Podcast with your hosts, Luke Sylvia and Jonathan Osborne, covering all things Magic Basketball. Five fans, four fans. Go Magic! What's going on, Orlando Magic fans? You guys are back with the Six Man Show. Today is June 12, 2023. Jonathan Osborne here, the co host, Luke Sylvia. The man is on vacation right now, so I'm mm. joined by none other than my good buddy, the best producer in the world, Kevin Tucker. What's up, man? Jonathan, good to be here. Get to uh, sit in the co-host chair all week, not just today, but also on Thursday, so that'll be fun while Luke catches some uh, some rays. I think, what do you say, New Smyrna? Is that where he is this week? Yeah, New Smyrna Beach. So, Luke, hope you're enjoying it. But yeah, excited to, excited to be on the show this week. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Obviously, we're going to get into some draft talk as we are now just 10 days away from the NBA draft as you all are listening to this, and it's mock draft season. I think that's one of the things that we haven't really done yet is go through a lot of the the mock drafts that are, are kind of becoming consensus. So luckily, NBA.com put together this awesome list where you can go and uh, they've aggregated you know some of the biggest and, and most reliable mock drafts on the internet so we'll go ahead and and break all that down and then talk again to where we are now 10 days out from the draft where we are and what we think and what the magic you know are are going to do so i'm excited because we haven't really had the conversation with kevin yet on who he wants the magic to pick what he's looking for so it's always good to have kevin on the show and, and kind of get his perspective but Kevin, before we we talk about the NBA Finals, which have been mostly fun up to this point, we'll talk about our communication during games and like whether or not we're having fun at, at certain moments, but overall having a lot of fun. But like I mentioned, folks, 10 days to the NBA draft, Tuesday, not Tuesday Thursday, the 22nd, uh, the draft starts at 7 o'clock, but the Magic are putting on a watch party at Amway Center that's going to start at 6.30 Doors open at 6.30. The draft starts at 7. We will be there. If you want to be there, you do need tickets. Even though it's a free event, you can go to the Orlando Magic app or orlandomagic.com to reserve your tickets for the draft party. And just like in recent years, we're going to do our best to sit in section 106 with all of you or 106 adjacent 
sometimes like last year, the, that area, that section filled up pretty quickly. So we have folks in 105, 107, 106 adjacent is what we like to call it. So looking forward to seeing you all there, but Kevin, what about these NBA finals, man? Yeah. As you're listening to this on Monday, guys, I'm hoping that tonight is the night that uh, the, the Miami Heat go home unhappy and the Denver Nuggets win their first NBA championship. I'm looking forward to it for a lot of reasons. Um, I, I've always liked the Nuggets. You know, I've always been, uh, you know, an admirer of their franchise from the distance, especially for me, it's always easier to like Western Conference teams versus Eastern Conference teams, right? There's a lot of teams out West that I tend to cheer for, and Denver's one of them. So I'd be really happy for them, for their fan base. You know, it's been, what do they say, like 47 years, 43 years, something like that. So hopefully they can pull it off, especially at home. That'd be fun. Um, but yeah, especially, you know, we'll talk about Aaron Gordon here in a second. He's He's got um, a bit of a, a mixed reception from Orlando Magic fans, but I, w- I will be excited to see Aaron Gordon lift the Larry, uh, Larry O'Brien trophy in front of Kyle Lowry. Like, that's going to be exciting to me. So, um, yeah, I, I just I hope they pull it off Monday night at home. That'd be really fun. So, um, yeah, I think it's been closer to, to like 60 years, I believe, the, the Nuggets, because they never like made a finals up until this year. Mm-hmm. And they were an ABA team up until 74 and then joined the NBA in 76. My math is not great. Really, really long time. But yeah, I'm excited for the Nuggets. I'm really happy that they're sending the Heat home. I had some friends over the other night for game four, and I was the only one rooting for the Nuggets. Most of my buddies just like to see me miserable, like a lot of you I'm sure can relate to. So they were all rooting for the Heat. Every time, like, you know, whether it be Jimmy Butler or you know Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, anytime those guys score, they were all going crazy. And then Aaron Gordon started to do his thing. You know, Nikola Jokic has been fantastic. Jamal Murray had moments in, in Game uh, Four as well, but Aaron Gordon was was really the the story of that game. And yeah, you know, I've been just in each round. I'm like, this is going to be it for the Heat, and then they keep figuring it out, and they keep figuring it out, and it seems like their luck has just about run out against this Denver Nuggets team. Yeah, I hope that's true. I hope that's true. And I know we, t- by we, I mean you and Luke already talked about it on the show a little bit about Aaron Gordon. Um, but I, I do kind of want to just go back a little bit and talk about him and kind of his situation currently in Denver versus what it was in Orlando and maybe some misconceptions um, between the two, right? Um Obviously, you know, and I'll, I'll give my thoughts on this because I wasn't on that episode. So really quick, here's what I think about Aaron Gordon. I think Aaron Gordon um, was in Orlando in a pretty challenging time. I think that's an, uh, an okay thing to say. Like, obviously, that was a difficult era. Um, the team was kind of in flux when he was here trying to build through the draft and then ultimately kind of change that. And anyway, um, so... The thing with Aaron Gordon, though, for me is has been about role, you know, and when he was in Orlando, you know, mostly maybe not by his choice necessarily in some points, but, you know, he was he was really featured a lot more than maybe he should have been, especially on an offensive standpoint. Um, but I think whether he came into that with that mentality, that was what his role should have been, or maybe he just over time just thought that should have been his role. Um, he. I don't know. I think he just kind of thought that that was who he was supposed to be. And then I think going to somewhere like Denver kind of helped put him a little bit more in his place and realize, you know, okay, 
I may not be capable of being the best player or second best player on a championship team, but I can be the third or fourth best player and be the, the team's best defender and all that kind of stuff. So for that, I'm I'm happy for him. I'm happy for him that he's found his way. I wish he hadn't thrown some punches at Orlando along the way of his journey here. Um, but yeah, I will I will be happy to see Aaron Gordon Aaron Gordon win on Monday night. Hopefully that's what happens. Yeah, I I wanted to I talked to you before we started recording. Like I feel like there's been a little bit of revisionist history in terms of the the narrative surrounding Aaron Gordon's time in Orlando, and now that you know he's playing with the Denver Nuggets. First of all. Whenever you're on one of the best teams in the league and you're playing with who right now seems to be on like an all-time great trajectory in Nikola Jokic, arguably the best player in the league right now, anytime you're in a situation like that, you are going to to look better. Like the best players in the league make their teammates better and make them look better. But going back to Aaron Gordon and, and to the points that you've made, Things were not great here. You know, he was here six and a half seasons. He had five head coaches in that time. Whenever we say that, like, it is true, but like the the Jacques Vaughn, like James Borrego, like, I don't really count that, okay? So it's really Jacques Vaughn, Scott Skiles, Frank Vogel, Steve Clifford while he was here. And much like a guy who gets a lot of hate from Magic fans, Evan Fournier, Aaron Gordon was miscast, was asked to do too much kind of outside of his ability. But let's also not make it out to be that Aaron Gordon, when he was here, decided a lot of the times, like, no, I am this type of guy. Like, I can be this kind of player. And in the moment, you're like, bro, what are you doing? Like, we we saw that time and time and time again, a bad you know, shot, uh towards the end of a game, offensive fouls, like you yeah. name it. Like he was a, a frustrating player in his time here. And then, yeah, when guys go other places and they're finally able to mature a little bit and realize, hey, maybe I'm not that guy. And they're able to accept more of a supporting role and flourish in that. Aaron Gordon in his time here, like points per possession on cuts was one of the best cutters in the league while he was in Orlando. Don't make this out to be something like, oh, Denver unlocked this of Aaron Gordon because that's not the case. Could you argue that Orlando should have utilized that a lot more? And they did, but one of like the staples of Steve Clifford's offense especially was that like Terrence Ross, Aaron Gordon corner fake handoff, Aaron Gordon cuts back door, pocket pass, and he's got an open layup or an open dunk. Like That was a staple of Steve Clifford's offense. They ran that all the time. So... I just hate the fact like anytime a guy is on a big stage like this, of course, everybody's going to come out and be like, oh my gosh, look at what Denver has done. And Denver deserves a ton of credit. Jokic, Michael Malone, Aaron Gordon all deserve a ton of credit for the way that Aaron Gordon has been able to flourish. And he just had the best game of his life, you know, in, in, in game four here. What was it? 27 points. Obviously, he's had better scoring performances than that. But when you put everything together, the stage that he's doing on, doing it on you know the the performance of his life so i'm super happy for aaron gordon i just hope sometimes people would not forget things that happened and alter their past reality to make their current narrative fit that always kind of bugs me yeah and obviously i think a big part of that is the team he came from like it's the orlando magic like you weren't watching like these yep. these clowns, these national TV people, you weren't watching. You didn't watch Aaron Gordon eighty two times a season when he was in Orlando for six years. Like you didn't, 
you didn't see that. Um, if they had, they would have realized, you know, what the same thing that all of us said, like when he went to Denver, we were like, that might be the perf of all the other 29 teams that might be the best fit for him because he can play alongside a Jokic and a Murray and literally be their best defender and, you know, just get to the rim and let Jokic feed him and all that kind of stuff, which is, which is what we all said. Like those of us who watched him for six years, we knew that the Nuggets were maybe the best spot for him. So yeah, I, I try to ignore some of that stuff that we hear, you know, especially the ones that are like, oh, um, you know, the, the not just what you said, like the Denver Nuggets unlocked him, but also like, wow, look what the Magic gave up. Look what they could have had if they kept him, you know, all this kind of stuff. Aaron Gordon wanted to leave. I guess the other thing, like Aaron Gordon did not want to stay. He wanted to leave and the Magic did him a gigantic favor. They could have sent him anywhere. They sent him to the Nuggets, you know? So that's another thing that kind of frustrates me, the idea of, like, oh, they let him go because they didn't know what they had. No, we knew what we had. We just knew it wasn't going to work anymore. And so all of that aside, I don't hate Aaron Gordon. I wish he was a little less of a grump towards Orlando. But I am 100% rooting for him on Monday night, partially because who they're playing. But ultimately, because I, I still would like to see Aaron Gordon get a ring since he didn't get the two trophies that he really deserved in the dunk contest. Might as well just get one that he, he also deserves in a, in a championship. And doing it against my like my the Miami Heat and Dwayne Wade's franchise like really even adds another layer to that. Like, hey, D Wade, you know, you didn't give me that trophy, but you gave me this one, so really That's appreciate right. that. And yeah, I'm at the point I don't dislike Aaron Gordon necessarily. I'm just like indifferent. Like, good for you, super happy for you. Thanks for beating the Heat. Like, I really appreciate that. But yeah, it's just it is what it is. But the good thing I think is with the Magic kind of starting to get more national attention. This stuff should stop at least for quite some time. Yeah. And just remember, just because a, a guy is flourishing in, in one place, like context is so important. When we go back and we talk about like Victor Oladipo, Oladipo was never going to be like a two-time all-star in Orlando. It just was not happening. So right. sure. It does feel like every time we trade somebody, they go somewhere else and now they're fantastic. Because we just had, like, especially the last decade, we have, like, at least, like, three or four really good examples of that. Victor Oladipo, I don't want to even talk about Sabonis because he was never technically here. Right. Aaron Gordon, obviously, you know, Tobias Harris. But then we have examples of guys going other places and not qu being quite as good. Nikola Vucevic, Evan Fournier, for example. So, yeah. Go yeah, Nuggets. And also say, beat the Heat. Yeah. And I'll just. I'll be forever grateful. 100%. I was just going to add to that. We've seen it the other way, too. Like, we've seen players struggle at their teams. You think of Wendell. Like, Wendell in Chicago wasn't who Wendell is in Orlando. You know, it goes both ways. It happens to all teams. It's Markel. not a Orlando Magic thing. Say again? Oh, Markel, right. Exactly. Yeah, Markel, 100%. Yeah, so it's just it's just the way it is in life, the way it is in sports, the way it is in the NBA. It's not just a Magic thing, so stop bothering us about it. But yes, I agree. Go Nuggets. Beat the Heat. And another Orlando Magic legend, Jeff Green, could get a ring on Monday night as well. So, <laughs> Jeff Green, man, whatever. Happy for him, too, I guess. Sure. Kevin, some interesting news came out. Um, I have to be careful with my words here. Some interesting news broke uh, Saturday. Mm -hmm. And uh, it seemed like young Grady Dick was in Orlando. He was just yeah. walking down the street, not not in you know, the facility or anything like that. Just posted on Instagram, you know, did his little location on the Instagram story that he was in Orlando, 
it's significant. We're not going to get any type of confirmation, it seems like, not from the organization, but by all accounts, it seems like Grady Dick probably worked out for the Magic this weekend. I think I think that's safe to say. You're you're quite the uh, detective, Mr. Osborne. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I think that's definitely what happened. It was um, it was fun to see social media and Reddit and all those kinds of things. You know, lots of great puns and and things. But puns aside, you know, Grady's location aside, um, good to see that he came to work out for us. Obviously, there's a bit of a track record of the Magic potentially not drafting players they work out so we'll see if that happens again this year but unless he was just in town to go check out lake eola and then go to disney or something i would guess that he worked out for the magic on saturday which is pretty exciting at least to me so what i will say because whenever we hear like oh this guy worked out for orlando it's like oh great we're not drafting him usually it's the guys that like actually have media availability you know, like we talk about, you know, Trey Young or um, who was it? Did Scotty Barnes meet with the media a couple of years ago? I don't remember. But we like we've had plenty of instances over this, you know, over the the course of you know the the last decade at least more than anything. But Franz Wagner did have a workout with the Magic. We we do know that they drafted him. The Magic, per Kobe Price, he, he tweeted this a couple weeks ago, I think, that the Magic did not plan to have like any media availability with any of their draft workouts this year. So we've heard, and I'll just kind of go through the list here, You know, our, our good buddy Fazan that writes for us tweeted out these so far confirmed Orlando Magic pre-workouts. Um, you know, and this is from you know, different reports and players confirming that themselves, but Jet Howard, Gigi Jackson, Jordan Walsh, Dexter Dennis, Armand Franklin, Enrique Freeman, Patrick Gardner, Trey Jemison, Craig Porter Jr. I'm going to butcher this one. Jordij Jovanovic. Jovanovic. I, I hope that's right. Taylor Hendricks, uh, Isaiah Sanders, and now it seems like Grady Dick. So Jordan Hendricks, I think it was during the Indiana Pacers a workout and media availability that he had where he confirmed that he worked out for the magic. So I think that we've just heard so many reports. I think there's a good chance that one of these guys gets drafted by the magic. And if not, it'll just be a few more guys like kind of added to the list. But I didn't even think to look at Reddit when all this happened, which is definitely a mistake on my part. Yep. I'd say so. Definitely a mistake. Um, but you know, Reddit, Reddit's one of the best places on the internet for a lot of place, a lot of things, but especially for the Magic. If you're not, if you're on Reddit and you're not in the Orlando Magic subreddit, you are missing out because um, there's a lot of great creative content of all kinds, but especially around Mister Dick. You know, just call it like it is. There's some good content. That's all. We'll talk more about this in a <laughs> in a few minutes, but. Where where are you with with Grady Dick? Are you like all aboard the Dick train, or are you? Excuse me. Uh, yeah. So, um, where am I with him? Here's where I am. Uh, first and foremost, as I've said for the last couple of years, I fully trust the front office. If the front office sees something that they don't like in Grady Dick, um, 
then and, and they choose not to draft him, I trust him. However, if he is there at 11 and the Orlando Magic do not take him, I will be intrigued. That's what I'll say. I will be intrigued. I won't quite be disappointed. I will be intrigued. But again, I am until they prove me wrong or give me a reason not to, I'm trusting them because they've they've absolutely smashed these last couple drafts. And so we'll see. But but yes, if he's there at 11, the Magic don't take him. I will scratch my head and then I will clap and move on. All right. Let's go ahead and give a quick shout out to the folks that are bringing you this episode our wonderful, our wonderful, not wonderful, wonderful patrons. Uh, if you'd like to join our Patreon and, and be one of our patrons and join our community, you can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show for $2 a month. And we have some other additional tiers, but starting at $2 a month, you can just help financially support the show. If you don't care about any of the other benefits, you just want to you know, support us each month, you can do that. Or if you want to you know, purchase a, an annual year of, of membership at one of the other tiers, just kind of like a one-time gift, you have the ability to do that as well. Uh, or if you just want to join the Patreon and you don't want to pay the month to month and you want to pay that in like one bulk sum. And I believe that we have like a 15% discount. If you just go ahead and pay for the entire year, you can do that as well. As we're getting closer to the season, remember our elite tier of benefits includes up to 15% off uh, Orlando Magic regular season home game tickets. So you can get discounted rates on tickets to Orlando Magic games if you join our elite tier. So uh, just something to think about as we get closer to the season. Or if you want to join uh, at that level now, that would be fantastic. Uh, all of the stuff that we do each month is not possible without the support of our patrons. So we appreciate that so much. Every episode that we have new patrons, we give them a very special shout out. And then each episode, we shout out our Hall of Fame and elite tier patrons. So as always, I'm going to go ahead and do that now. I'll start with uh, the Court Cousins here. Drew Gooden, Armin, Carson Tulo, Normal, Magic Player History, Gabe Gaines, Magic Static, Michael Martin, Jamel Miller, Michael Salapong, The Distract, Donkey Punch Dave, Paolo and Franz's Warmth, Pierre A. I really wish I never said that. Uh, Nostalgia and M&M's, Dylan Holden, Mr. Mikey, Eduardo Sanchez, Drum, Danimal, Dotto 15, Bobby Skinner, Godi 93, Teddy Sylvia, Eric Lopez, Fuchsia, Juan Gerardo, Bill Fulton, Edmund Lagone, Jose Esquilin, Destined for Greatness, Caleb Pete, Cannibalism, Time, Mr. TV, Joe Rothfuss, ESPN really sucks. Gear 95, Shred, Junior Bruce, Half Reekin, Shahin 177, Bulby the Dawn, Himlo Ban Himro, RM Prof 221, Ray Pastrana, Magic Kid 714, Spank Too Hard, Soft Taco, Jesse, Johnny B, Fuego Nando, Victor Cologne, Fanwell 72, Irish Magic Mike, Austin Lampy, Random Hustle, Only France, Maria, Keith Wallace, Fritz. A big thank you to all of our patrons. You can find us at patreon.com slash the six man show. I'm not sorry that I said it, but had I known that it was going to live on each and every episode, I probably would not have said that. Dude, you can't say something like that and not expect it to live on for at least a significant amount of time. That That is something that, um, yeah, that's going to stick with you for a while. That warmth will stick with you for a while, you know? Well, yeah, uh, let's take a quick break here and we'll talk about the mock drafts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dom- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. And we're back to talk about mock drafts. And maybe we do our kind of own version of this, not literally, but as we're kind of talking through this to see if we agree with some of this stuff. So as we were trying to figure out what we were going to do for this episode, Kevin had the fantastic idea of like, hey, let's go through the mock drafts that are really out there in the mainstream basketball media and just kind of break them down, see what their opinion is of the magic is and what they'll do. And then we can kind of just talk through that. So the NBA has done a fantastic job of aggregating. I think they said 10 different mock drafts uh, across the interweb uh, from ESPN.com, the ringer, the athletic Yahoo sports, bleacher report, net scouts, basketball, uh, CBS sports, uh, Gary Parrish, and also CBS sports, Kyle Boone, and then SB nation and USA today. So they saved Kevin and I the trouble of having to have 57 tabs open and just kind of jump back and forth throughout this whole podcast, which we just, first of all, really appreciate the effort on NBA.com's behalf, saving us from the effort of going through and doing this in real time. Kevin, we can just start at really the the top of the draft. Victor Wembanyama in all of those mock drafts and basically every mock draft on the face of the earth because the Spurs basically came out and said it. They're taking Victor Wembanyama with the number one overall pick. It's been the worst kept secret in the NBA for the past 10 months, I guess. So no surprises there, but I think, and it's becoming increasingly more interesting of a conversation, the draft kind of starts at two, which did not seem like it was the case a month ago. Right. Yeah, I I definitely think that's true. Before we go to number two, I do have one question I want to ask you about Victor really quick. Maybe two, two questions. First question. What has to happen on planet Earth for Victor Wimbanyama to not go number one? Like, what has to happen? This is going to sound bad, but something 
awful would have to happen to him where he's not able to play basketball. Or he like murders somebody maybe or something like something legal. That's about it, right? Yeah, There's no other much. situation. Yeah. That's yeah. That's crazy. He could come the out second and thing, probably say yeah. some pretty terrible things and still go number one. Right. That's 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 what I'm getting at. Like the line, the yeah. margin that he has right now is so huge. He could do whatever he wants. Yeah. Uh it's so funny. But my second Victor Wimignano question before we actually get into the draft, I'm curious because you and I have not talked about Victor. He's the most hyped prospect since LeBron. Uh, of what you've seen, and again, I know the sample size is so different. Like he's playing in Europe. It's not what we're used to seeing here with some of the biggest prospects. But like how much of the hype do you buy? Like where if you were to right now make a call that we can either praise you for in 10 years or make fun of you for in 10 years. Like what do you see in Victor as an NBA player? Is he who people are hyping him up to be kind of floor ceiling it, I guess for me. I want to go back to the comment that you made a couple sec, like right before you got into this about him being like the most hyped prospect since LeBron. I think social media is like the great multiplier in this conversation. 100%. I think there's an argument that he is the most hyped prospect in the history of the world. It's a great point. Like, we don't have any kind of real way to measure that, but just the amount of information that is shared now on a daily basis across the internet, way more, way more than there was in, in 2003. Like that's just, that is a statistical fact. I think like the amount of hype that he is getting on a day to day basis is, is probably more than LeBron James was. Yeah. But in the NBA has never, ever like put a stamp on a, on a prospect like they have with him, like the fact that they broadcast every single one of his games this season on the NBA app, like that's never happened before. Like, yeah, ESPN picked up a lot of LeBron's high school games and as well as some other prospects over the years. But the NBA itself has never has never circled a guy like this before. So I totally agree. We've never seen anything like it. But yeah, sorry. Carry on with your, your floor ceiling kind of answer. Oh, well, the last thing that I was going to say is the the only argument against that is I remember like even the casualist of NBA fans knowing who LeBron James was back in the day. And I don't right. know how much of that is because I was actually living in Ohio and I or I had friends in Ohio at the time. So obviously the Cavs were super relevant, but almost everybody that I knew knew who LeBron James was. And now it's like when I talk to people about Victor, I'm having to like educate them on who he is but the game is so much more global i don't know this is kind of uh going off the rails here floor ceiling like floor i think he's gonna be like a an all nba guy you know i i think if he if he reaches his health potential i guess like if he stays healthy that is the one caveat that i will give to this because right now that's the biggest question mark about him and nobody I don't care who you're talking to. Nobody can tell you for certain what is going to happen with him. Floor, I think he's an like an all NBA guy. You know, if you want to talk, is he second team? Is he third team? Like whatever. I I think his floor is like being a, a top fifteen guy in the NBA, and his ceiling is like being an all time great player. Just we, we talk about Bull Bull and how unique he is, but we like we have never ever ever seen somebody this big this skilled like bobo is very skilled but like victor is that times three or times five for me when you look at his shooting touch when you look at his handle like he 
saying that he has a guard's handle is not like hyperbole. Like he legitimately has a guard's handle. You can talk about some of the percentages as a as a three-point shooter, but you can see the projection for him to be a very good three-point shooter. Like not average, like he could be a very good three-point shooter. Like the one-legged stuff, uh, his anticipation and ability defensively, like Bull Bull is a great shot blocker, but Victor is like an all-around like generational defender. Like we're talking about like from day one, maybe as good or better as a guy like Rudy Gobert. So like I, when you put all of that together, it's like, how does this guy not end up being one of the best five guys in the league at some point? Yeah, that's where I am with him. Like for me, a, a floor, like there's no way from what I've seen, the floor is he's first team all de- defense and probably wins a few defensive player of the years. Like I, I think the defense itself like is going to be a given. Like that's the one thing I have the least. Well, I don't want to say concern isn't the right word because I don't have a lot of concerns on the other side of the ball. But like his defense, I think is the one like most surefire thing about him. Like I think he's going to be an incredible rim protector. He's already shown like he just has a knack, not just for his size, but he has a knack uh, on playing defense. Offensively, I, the the handles is what gets me. Like watching him dribble and move. And get to the rim or step back or whatever you want at seven foot five is just it's dumb it's ridiculous so um to say all that like i'm not concerned about his offensive game either um my concern would be can he do the things that we see can he do that for 35 minutes a night 82 games a season and then anywhere from you know six to what is it? Twenty up to twenty games, I guess, in the playoffs. You know, depending on how how deep his teams go, that's the question. Like he can do it in spurts, no question. Bull Bull can do it in spurts. Again, I'm not comparing the two, but we've seen Bull Bull do stuff that Victor Wembanyama can do. Um, but Bull Bull can only do it in those bite size, you know, chunks. And so that's the difference, I think, for me. I do believe he'll be able to do that. Is my ultimate answer. I am buying the hype for the most part. I don't know if he's going to be the greatest of all time, but I think he definitely has the skills to potentially be that. So I'm buying the hype. He obviously is going number one for a reason, and I think it's justified. So I'm excited. I do think like that first week he's in the NBA, his his season opener is going to be on ESPN or TNT. Home opener is going to be on ESPN and TNT. And like the Spurs are just going to have so many national playoff games or national uh, TV games this year. It's going to be it's going to be kind of gross, but you know it is what it is. Imagine having the number one overall pick and actually getting nationally televised games. You know, that must. What is that like? Yeah, that's crazy. (laughs) Wow. Unbelievable. That's okay. Kevin, starting at number two. Brandon Miller is just being shoved down everyone's throats at this point as being the number two pick in the draft. And looking at the consensus here, it looks like. Brandon Miller has received you know, the the second pick, I guess, or second pick vote. I don't even know how we would really call this, but six of these mock drafts have Brandon Miller going number two. Five of them have Scoot Henderson going number two to Charlotte. I don't know what I'm five, missing. Sorry, so five have him going to the Blazers at three. Brandon Miller's six, and then because there's ten mock drafts, right? So six, okay, so it's four. I guess four, then right, right, Scoot yeah, going yeah, number yeah, three. Yeah. My apologies, but what am I missing? Because I don't think 
Scoot and Brandon Miller is even close as a conversation. I'm all about Scoot number two to Charlotte. I I, I think it has to be a fit thing, right? Like, which which the Hornets have done several times in their the last I don't know decade, and it hasn't worked for them several times. Where instead of going best player available, they go for fit. The idea I'm assuming is they've got Lamelo, and that's their ball handler. Period. Right? They they don't want to entertain the idea of having a Scoot show up. Who, you know, could he play off ball? Sure, but I think you know to get the most bang for your buck, I think Scoot Henderson does need to have the ball in his hands a decent amount. But if you ask me, I think you could totally have a backcourt with both of them. Like I think a Lamelo Scoot backcourt would be sick. It could be potentially great. But the idea of Brandon Miller being a bigger guy, a wing, a great scorer, I I think that's where all this is coming from. Now, to be fair, I do like Brandon Miller, but I do, I'm with you. I do not like him more than Scoot. Like I'm a big Scoot fan, um, and I I could totally see them working together in a backcourt. But I think that's if if I were to answer, I guess that's why that's why this is happening. But I guess we'll see. I wish I could go back twelve months and remove. Jabari Smith Jr. like being pushed on us so much but to be fair like Jabari Smith Jr. was talked about being a potential number one pick like as early as like January February of last year so it's not like we got to the draft and then all of a sudden Jabari Smith just jumped up you know the 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 big boards and now everyone's saying oh hey no this guy is actually number one it was like wow where is this kind of coming from but I wish I could go back and just like don't listen to the media and just kind of watch these guys. Because if you would have done that, and the conversation that we had was, hey, if this guy can develop into a number one option, where it was like Chet and Paolo, like those guys might actually just be able to be number one options. Like you could see that sort of path, like that happening. To me, that's what this feels like. It feels like Jabari, Jabari, Jabari at number one is becoming like Brandon Miller at number two over scoot and i'm just like this is to me this could be a a big mistake potentially like in my mind if we're sitting there in amway and we're watching adam silver come out and announce the hornets pick if it's brandon miller being as a team that plays in the same division as the hornets i'm going to have a massive sigh of relief that we're not going to have to play against Lamelo ball and, and scoot henderson four times a year yeah, i don't get it man i really don't understand it yeah, and Brandon Miller is great. Agree. I would love Brandon Miller to be on the Magic, but not if I'm at number two. Yeah, that's that's where I am, man. I would I would be very excited to have Scoot go out west because if he doesn't go two, he's going likely three to Portland. And even if he somehow magically doesn't go to Portland, he's going to Houston at four. You know, um, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I don't get it, and and maybe it's just a media thing, like you said, and maybe they're gonna they're planning to take Scoot all along, but um. But yeah, that would be interesting. That would definitely be interesting. Have you seen the like Jonathan Gavoni, Mike Schmidt's kind of conspiracy theory about this? I don't think so, no. So, you know, Mike Schmitz, who was with Draft Express forever right. and now is with the Portland Trailblazers, right. oh, some people think that he's this. kind of Sorry. telling you know, Jonathan Gavoni, like, hey, keep pushing, you know, scoot at number three so it kind of make Portland's pick look more valuable. So right. they'll potentially get better offers for that pick. I don't think so, but it's really interesting. And I would love it if that was the truth. 
if any general manager in this league makes a crazy deal for that number three pick, believing that Scoot Henderson is going to be there, they should be fired. Like without having concrete evidence, you know, you can't, you cannot, you cannot make that trade just hoping and praying and believing that he's going to be there. Cause I don't think, yeah, unless like we said, unless we get to that pick and, and Brandon Miller is taken at two. If that happens, there absolutely could be a gigantic draft night trade, you know, between the second and third pick. Like if it's, if it's there and ready, you know, they've got the deal lined up that, you know, Hey, if they take Brandon Miller at two, this is our deal. They could pull the trigger. Oh, well, I don't know about making all oh, the trigger jokes. Man, wow. Um, sorry. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see. What was I saying? Oh yeah. If there's a deal, it might be ready to go, but yeah, we could see a huge, huge trade there at number three. Thanks. I would venture to guess there are, they have multiple deals lined up already for that yeah. scenario. And then they're like, Hey, do we take this or do we just take scoot and we figure everything else out? Like, do we just take scoot and move into the post Damian Lillard era? That is right. a massive possibility that I, I think so. Yep. All right. Let's move down the, the mock a little bit here just because there, there is so much that can happen. Victor, Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson, like that's, that's going to be the top three. Yeah. Then the draft kind of starts again at number four. So with seven of these outlets um, for the Rockets picking Amen Thompson, I don't. I really don't know what even is the best way to do this, Kevin. And then number five, most outlets have Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore going to the Pistons at five, and then this is really where the the draft starts uh, for the Magic. Asar Thompson at six, Jarris Walker at seven, and then this is kind of weird because. A lot of outlets also have Asar Thompson falling to eight to the Wizards. I don't see that happening. Yeah, that I, I don't know, man. I, I think that's I think that's in the realm of possibility. I think it is. Um, here's here's what I'd like to do. How about this? How about this? Let's we've we've got our top three. Like our top three is it's happening. Whatever the order of number two, number three, whether it's Brandon and Scoot, Scoot Brandon, whatever. Our top three is Victor, Scoot, Brandon. That's going to happen. Here's what I want to ask you, though. Obviously, there's then two picks before the Magic, right? Rockets at four, Pistons at five, Magic at six. Let's if let's put it this way. If you had the number four pick, so you're picking out of anyone other than those three guys, who are you picking? Is it still Cam Whitmore? I know we talked, or you and Luke talked about him a lot recently. I think it was, maybe it was the Keandre episode. I know you were really high on him. But let's say those three guys are out of the equation. You can pick anybody you want outside of those three. Who's your like number one guy, excluding those three right now? I think it has to be a men Thompson, just like given the like both sides of the ball, defensive capabilities, getting to the rim. The biggest question mark for him is going to be the jump shot. But just so much talent there, especially like you have to think about the Houston Rockets and are they good with Kevin Porter Jr. being their long-term answer at point guard? And do they look at Amen Thompson like a guy that they could slide in next to Jalen Green and maybe those guys can play together? I feel like that's a team that just has so many needs currently that they need to take the best player available. And by all accounts, everyone that we've talked to at that spot, Amen Thompson is the best player available. So I'm glad you said that because... I know we're doing this whole aggregated consensus mock draft thing, but 
the Ringer mock draft was the most interesting for me because they had Cam Whitmore for Jairus Walker five and Amin Thompson at six to the Orlando Magic. So I want to know if you are losing your marbles if he falls to six. Are you happy with that? I'm trading back. If Amen Thompson is there at six, I'm I'm probably trading back. Ooh, explain that, please. I just don't feel like we need, we just need shooting. Like like we have talked about this again and again and again. And if Amen Thompson is there, that is the guy in this draft that could potentially be there at six. That you have to really ask yourself the the footage from that Portland workout. I don't see that jump shot being fixable. Like you have to start completely over and retrain this guy how to shoot. Like the last guy that we really went through this with from a guard perspective was Alfred Payton. And what was the thinking with Alfred Payton? This guy is a phenomenal athlete. He's a great defender. You can learn to shoot is exactly what Rob Hennigan said. Alfred Payton never learned how to shoot. And I was talking with a, a buddy of mine about this a few days ago. In the last decade of basketball that we've seen in the, the three-point transformation revolution that has happened and you know Steph Curry and you don't even have to go back 10 years because 10 years ago some of these guys were like eight nine ten years old so even going back five six seven years when Steph really came onto the scene I don't understand how guys have gotten to this point where they're they've seen what's going on in the NBA and they're like you know what I'm just not going to develop that part of my game. So it's either like you didn't work on that aspect of your game enough or you're just never really going to get there. So in 2023, when a guy can't shoot coming into the draft, I think we have to kind of rethink shooting development because like everybody and their mother now, if, if your kids are playing basketball in any sort of competitive environment, you need to tell them, look, before almost anything else, you need to be able to shoot. You see it in at every single level, guys being played off the floor if they cannot shoot. And you're taking a, a guy in the top five, six of a draft who most likely will never have an above average jumper. It's just a, a it sounds silly like to be thinking of fit at six with a guy that is this talented. But when I look at what we already have in Paolo and Franz and the odds of drafting a guy better than that in this draft, unless you have the number one overall pick, I don't think is incredibly likely. So we're trying to build a team around those guys now. I'm not looking for the guy that's going to be the savior of our franchise anymore. We have those guys. We need to do whatever we need to do to give those guys the best opportunity to win basketball games. Some people don't agree with that, but it's just way too big of a question mark with a men in particular. If I could give you a standing ovation, I would. Because I 100% agree with everything that you said. I was playing devil's advocate, and I'm glad, glad that worked out. Because, yeah, I've already told you and Luke, I'm not interested in either of the Thompson twins. Like, I'm not. Even Asar, I'm not. Um, which I know is maybe not a popular opinion as well. But, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I, w- I was curious to hear that because that, that ringer one especially caught my eye. I had not seen him in fall to six in anything else yet. So, um, but yeah, so the, the rest of the consensus, like you said, has a minute four to the Rockets, 
Cam Whitmore to the Pistons, and then Jairus Walker, like you said, coming to the Orlando Magic, which I think would be interesting. Would you want you want to talk about that? You know, what did it say? Seven. It was seven of these mock drafts had Jairus Walker coming to Orlando. I think it's five, and and they have um, him going to the Pacers is the the biggest. What's interesting is Asar Thompson. You know, when we're looking at the most common picks here on NBA.com, mm-hmm. only four four outlets had Asar going to the Magic at six, and that was the most common pick. Like I it just shows saying, you right, that yeah. you can just go so many different directions. Really, starting at four, starting at five. Like we've seen, you know, Cam Whitmore go four, and and Jarris Walker go five, and then like Taylor Hendricks is there, and it's just all of these guys that are at six. We've talked about this again and again and again, Kevin, but like I just I really don't know what is going to end up happening. And I I feel like nobody really knows. And I feel like the kind of these mock drafts not being able to line up for the Magic at six, where we go I'm I guess I should just really go through this. ESPN.com, it's a SAR at six, the ringer, it's a men, the athletic, it's Taylor Hendricks. Yahoo, it's Anthony Black. Bleach Report, it's Anthony Black. Net Scouts Basketball, it's Asar. CBS Sports, it's Anthony Black. Um, at least uh, Gary Parrish from CBS Sports. Kyle Boone from CBS Sports, it's Asar. SB Nation, it's Taylor Hendricks. USA Today, it's Asar Thompson. The Anthony Black is another one that I just don't understand. I want no yep. part of Anthony Black at six. 100%. If you're drafting Anthony Black... Trade back. You're not taking him at yeah. six. And from a fit standpoint, not nearly the talent that a man is, in my opinion. It's just like, what are we doing, guys? Yeah, that that's that is the worst one of all of them to me. Like the idea of Anthony Black coming to Orlando. I think Anthony Black is going to be a fine NBA player. He has a lot to offer, but what he has to offer, we already have. You know, it's one of those things like great court vision. Great, we have that. Good defender. Great, we have that. Absolutely zero help, uh, you know, in an offensive per- perimeter offensive situation. We have that. We that's the opposite of what <laughs> we, we need. Do ha- you know we what? Have we do have things. nothing on the perimeter in terms of shooting already. <laughs> exactly. We do have exactly. that. We don't need more of that. Right. That's the one that I hate the most out of all of them. And the fact that he's so commonly picked at six is confusing to me. And and I would I would just be so stunned. I'd be so stunned if if he was drafted by the Magic anywhere, whether it's six or eleven or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that one was definitely interesting to me. Um, I, yeah, I guess looking, looking at this as well, like I, man, I guess, I guess, well, here's, what's interesting to th- think about those three guys that are probably going to go four, five, six in some order. A men, I should let me back up. Maybe not four, five, six, four, five is going to be some combination two of a men, Cam Whitmore and Jairus Walker. Right. I think, I think that's fair to say. Two of those three are going to go four and five. So one of those three is still going to be left at six, right? A man, Cam Whitmore, Jairus Walker, which is very interesting to me because um, we just already talked about a man. I, I would love Cam Whitmore, even though his perimeter game still could use some help. It's not a, it's not a black hole. Uh, still could use some help. Jairus Walker, I don't know. Uh, I think he's got some potential there too. So if if it's not a men, but it's Cam Whitmore or Jairus Walker or whoever after that, are you picking one of those guys? Are you trading back then? Like, I don't know. 
at six, if those guys are there, I'm 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 cashing the the pick. I, I'm absolutely keeping it. I'm good with either one of those guys. I, yeah. I see different things that they sort of do well with offensive upside from each of them. Like right. like Jarris, you know, I see the the vision and the the playmaking ability in in the half court, sort of similar to Wendell in, in certain aspects. But I, I do think they're also very different players. And I see the upside with Jarris in, in terms of shooting the ball, of course, right. and like the you know, positional defensive versatility, really, really special player. And then with Cam, although I do understand some of the apprehension when we're talking about shooting, that is a guy that I could buy into becoming a good three-point shooter. Like If I had even the smallest amount of faith that a men Thompson could develop, a, a th- if I felt really confident about that, I would be fine with him being the pick at six because he is so talented. Some people, and I don't really know why, especially when we're talking about the magic, a critique of Cam is that he's not really going to be your number one. And I feel like that's true for almost everybody that is being mocked at six. You're not asking any of these guys to turn into like a number one option. And then almost in the same breadth of scouting reports, with Cam Whitmore, it's like he would really flourish as like a secondary or if it's third, is it is that tertiary? Play tertiary, yeah. yeah. Secondary or, or tertiary playmaker. It's like, yeah, that's the whole point in drafting Cam Whitmore in Orlando is because this is yeah. a guy where, hey, if Paolo doesn't have it on a certain possession or maybe Franz doesn't, this is a guy that you can throw the ball to and, you know, four or five times a game, he may be able to make something happen. Like, yeah. it just... When you look at the landscape of the NBA and you, you look at the Denver Nuggets, especially in the moments in the, the games that they've won, that they've been struggling offensively, going to a guy like Christian Braun or in game five or game four, going to a guy like Bruce Brown, those guys, you need those guys as you get deeper into the playoffs, a guy that isn't going to do it all the time, but one out of every 10 possessions, you can say, hey, go get us a good look. And they can. You add that to what he's able to do defensively already, and these Villanova guys, like they're they're usually pretty good. You know what I mean? So, I would love the Cam Whitmore pick at six. That's where I still am. If we use the pick, if he's available, but I also think Jarris Walker would be a a, a great fit and is going to be really good too. Yeah, that's that's where I am. Like we mentioned with Grady Dick earlier, if Grady Dick is there in 11 and we don't take him, I will scratch my head, but I will trust. That's where I am with Cam Whitmore. Like, I really, really like him. Not just the talent, but also the fit. Um, Same thing. If he's there at six and we don't take him, I will scratch my head. I will clap for the play we do pick and I'll move on. So, yeah, that's where I am as well. Um, Let's see. I don't know where we want to pick Taylor Hendricks at six. I I I love Taylor Hendricks. Six though feels just like the slightest bit of a reach to me. Like if if let me put it this way, if if Cam and Jarris Walker go four or five in some order, and it's a men there, I would be okay with drafting Taylor Hendricks. Just that makes outright sense? at six, potentially moving back. Because I think you're right. I think there will be teams that will be interested in the men. And so you 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 take advantage of that and you move back one or two spots, seven or eight, and you draft Taylor Hendricks there. 
That's probably the more likely scenario. I doubt the magic would take him at six, but it's possible. I don't know. But yeah, I if I could if honestly if I could just pick between, I'm taking Taylor Hendricks more than Amen Thompson, which some people will crucify me over that. And I'm not a UCF homer. I love UCF. I watch very little UCF basketball. Um, so it's, it has nothing to do with that. Like, but but what I've seen in this whole draft process, I'm still, like you said, the the shot is there. Like the guy is has already shown he can shoot. And I think he's only going to get better. So yeah, give me Taylor Hendricks. Maybe it's not at six. Maybe move back to seven or eight. But I'll, I'll take him there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, between six and eleven, like there's so much again that can happen, so many variables. What I more so want to focus on with this part is just like the draft risers that we're seeing. Like all of a sudden, the last few weeks, like ESPN at nine, they have Jalen Hood Shafino uh, going to the Utah Jazz, uh, a guy who is being talked about and potentially having like a lottery promise, and is also shooting up draft boards is Bilal Koulibaly who played you know for the the Metropolitans the uh, Victor Wembanyama's you know French pr- professional team so much so that we have a lot of I, I posed the question before we started recording here on Twitter like hey we're 11 days out where does everybody feel like the Magic are going to go with 6 and 11 and a lot of people are saying hey I think we're going to take Koulibaly at 11 so w- where are you with some of these guys who are not coming out of nowhere, but their draft stock is really has been raised over the course of the last couple of weeks. Yeah. First off, when it comes to Cooley Bali, it's like, you know, not a bad situation, man. You're, you're playing next to this guy who's getting all this attention. And now all of a sudden some scouts are like, Hey, his teammates, not so bad either. You know, good for him. Good for him. Um, but as far as some of the other guys, some of the guys that maybe have, have risen a little bit. I don't know, man. I think the the one that's interesting to me, and I, tr- I hate doing this. I try not to read too much into this, but it's the silly season, the off season, and the whole Paolo working out with Keontae George thing. You know, I mean, it's it'd be nice if it, if it's a guy Paolo likes, come on over. You know, come on to the team. I I don't mind him. I wouldn't say he's been a big riser. Like he's always been kind of in that late lottery spot, and I think for the most part he still is. But some guys have him moving up. You know, kind of into early late lottery if that makes sense you know that 9 to 12 range as opposed to 13 to 16 or something so if you're a friend of pal you're a friend of me you know i'm okay with that um as far as the other guys i can't i definitely can't even speak to Koulibaly. haven't watched a second of him yet so i'm not even going to pretend jordan hawkins is obviously we've talked about him a lot on this show but i feel like um obviously he had a great run at yukon but I feel like he's kind of been rising lately too. Like even just a couple of weeks ago, I felt like he was a late lottery and even just, you know, mid first round to late first round kind of guy, you know, high teens and twenties, seeing him a lot more now as a late lottery guy, a potential guy at 11 for the magic. My thing is regardless of what happens at six, where I, I think six, there should be a focus at some level of shooting, but it's not everything to me. 11, you just get a shooter. Like, that's my thing. 11, you have to get a shooter no matter what you do at six. 
whether it's Greedy Dick, whether it is uh, not that Hendricks is still going to be there, but um, who are we talking about? Oh, Hawkins. Where they get Hawkins, you have to get a shooter at eleven. Like that's just, it's just a non-negotiable for me. Again, if Wellham don't, I will scratch my head. Uh, probably really hard. I will scratch it really violently if we don't draft a shooter at eleven. But then I will clap for the player that is picked, and I will move on. But yeah, we got to get a shooter at eleven. I have to call an audible right here because you said something a moment ago that has brought up to the forefront of my mind this thought that I've been kind of workshopping the last few weeks when you mentioned if Keontae George is a guy that Paolo likes, bring him on over. At what point, maybe not necessarily as an organization where we just kind of fold and say, hey, we're going to do whatever this kid wants. But at one point as a fan base, and this is going to be a little bit of a tangent here, so I do apologize, but I think it's arguably more important than what we're talking about with this draft. At what point of a fan base do we just have to show Paolo more love than we have ever showed any player in the history of the Orlando Magic franchise? Because why the hell not? Why wouldn't we? Who has won anything for us? Why do we hold these guys in such high regard? If Paolo Bancaro is the guy that a lot of us believe he can be and will be, we need to show this guy so much love that he would never even for a moment fathom leaving Orlando. We've talked about this a couple of times, Kevin, but given the history of stars becoming superstars and then leaving this team, you almost like cannot afford to lose Paolo Bancaro as an organization because like then it becomes a little bit more real of Shaq leaving, Dwight Howard leaving, Tracy McGrady leaving. If Paolo Bancaro becomes the next guy, and I'm, I don't wish this on anybody, your, your favorite player in your team's franchise guy eventually wanting out. But at one point, do we say, you know what, we're just going to show this kid more love than we've ever shown anybody? Like, why aren't we doing that? And at what point do we do that? Yeah, I hear what you're saying. And I, I definitely think there is a point at some point where that should happen. I don't think it's after year one. Probably not. But it might be after year two. Like, let's see what he does. Let's see what year two Powell looks like. And if he is who we think he is, you give him whatever you, whatever he wants, man. Like, and I, I think it's, I think it's definitely the potential is there for a year. Two, like, as good as year one was, I think year two, and especially not just because Powell getting better, but because of the state of our team and the fact that. It is such a young team that, which means that everyone should get better every year. You know, some guys like older teams, mentally maybe they get better, but as far as physically and different parts of their game, they're the same player from like twenty-eight to thirty-three. That's an exaggeration, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like, I think they're not unlocking. Yeah, they're not unlocking new aspects of their game or whatever. But this team is so young that every year should be a natural progression. And so as not only as Paolo gets better, but as the other 11 guys around him get better, that should elevate everything. And so I, I'm a obviously a big believer in Paolo. I'm a big believer in Paolo year two. Like I think year two is going to be, he's going to be turning a lot of heads around the league, which he did in, in his rookie year. But he had that stretch in February that just, I mean, obliterated a lot of his stat lines. And I don't, obliterate is an exaggeration too. He still obviously had a great rookie stat line. But it would have been so much better if you take away February, right? So I don't see a February happening next season. And so at the this time next year, we'll have the same conversation. And I'll be like, okay, 
He's got a, he's got a buddy that's a free agent. You know, if he's affordable and he fits in the game plan, you know, if it's between him and someone else, I'm going to take him. You know, I think I think we're really close to that spot, Jonathan. I do think we're close to that. And again, this is something that I've only been having the conversation in my own brain, probably for the last four <laughs> or five weeks that I'm like, at one point, do I externalize this? Because I can only talk to myself so much. I'm not there, but I'm really not that far away because like, again, like, why wouldn't we? Right. All of these other guys have have came and went. They don't really come back and show love. So, like, why do we like continue to just be like like? Oh no, you, you're not Shaq. You're not Dwight. You're not Tracy. You're not Richard. You're not Hito. Blah blah blah. Okay, Hito. I I take some of those guys. I, maybe I misspoke. Hito comes back and shows a lot of love. But yeah. I'm just like, we. This kid cannot be allowed to leave ever, and we need to make it so obvious and abundantly clear how much we love and support this kid and want him to succeed here. So again, I knew that was going to be a tangent. Back to number 11. Most of these drafts, these mock drafts, seven of them, in fact, have the magic taking Grady Dick at 11. I, <laughs> we've been talking about this kid for so long now. I really, I just, until something good happens to us like this, the guy that we want falls to us and we actually take him because that just basically never happens year after year after year. At least that's my experience until he's the 11th pick. The Orlando magic are keeping that pick and the pick is Grady Dick. And I see him at like the, you know, the, the draft you know, press conference the next day or whatever. I am not going to allow myself to believe it, but a combination of, Cam Whitmore or Jairus Walker or Taylor Hendricks or I'm a little bit higher on Asar I think than you are I, I have more confidence that he'll be able to develop a jump shot any combination of those guys and Grady Dick at 11 like it's just going to be a, an absolute home run of a draft and I will be over the moon and I just can't allow my hopes to get to that point just yet so all these guys are mocking this but I'm like he's just not going to be there at 11. The other reason that I think you should knock your hopes up is not only may he not be there at 11, there's a great chance, like I mentioned earlier, that he's there at 11, but Weltham either sees something in him that doesn't fit or they see something in someone else that does. We've had these surprise picks repeatedly from this front office. Obviously, the Franz Wagner, the most notable one, the one everyone talks about. We had the eighth pick. So many guys on our board. Franz Wagner was not even in the strat. It was not even our conversations. We we did not speak of him. And but but Wellham had it all along, you know. And they got a they not only got it right, they absolutely smashed it. Like, I love Franz. So the, that's the other uh, the other tricky part about this is we as a fan base may fall in love with somebody whether it's because of personality or their given name or their highlights or whatever. But that's not what they, that's not what, you know, Jeff, Jeff Waltman and John Hammond look at. They don't care about that. They don't care about us. And I mean that in the nicest sense. And I'm glad they don't. They don't care about what us idiots think, you know, they, they care about putting together the best, putting together the best basketball team on the planet. And so, like I said, I still trust them. But I just, I don't trust that they're, they're falling hype or whatever. They're, they're going to pick their guy. And if it's not, it's not Gray Dick. I think that's entirely possible. That's the, that's the biggest reason why I'm not getting my hopes up on any of these guys because 
they've got their guy and it's more than likely not our guy. Does that make sense what I'm saying? What I will say is to me, if Grady Dick is there at 11, Jordan Hawkins is there at 11, if it's not one of the two of them, I'm going to be pissed. Uh, yeah, I think that's like, fair. And, and, I will, I'll, and I'll leave the door open to me being wrong, but in that moment, right. I'll allow myself to be mad. Now, yes, I will still clap and I will still be happy for whoever our draft pick is, and I will believe that they are going to be better for us than those guys, but just selfishly and like my own ego, thinking that I know basketball better than John Hammond and uh, uh, Jeff Weltman, I'll be like, come on, man, what are you doing? And then yeah. I'll be like, all right, yeah, no, these guys are, are really smart and know way more than we do, and then I'll be excited. But it'll be really interesting if both of those guys are there at 11, the Magic do make a pick in that range, and neither one of them is the pick. That will be very interesting, to say the least. I definitely agree, definitely. But that's that's the fun part of the draft, especially with this front office. It's a mystery. It's it's the greatest drama on television is what it is. You know, No one knows the script except for those guys, which which is what makes it so fun. It really is. Like I, I love watching the NFL draft. I know you probably do as well. But like Parts something about the NBA draft is like the, there is drama like no other sport yeah i think now, it's because like I, in the nba one player makes such a difference compared to a lot of other right you know, these team sports right that then the best part about the nba draft is it's one night as opposed to nfl draft where it's four days that's why I, the part that i don't like about the nfl draft i will watch the first round i should have clarified parts, the first round yeah maybe the parts of the second and third that that Saturday where it's on all day, forget about it. Nope. I, at the end of the day, I'll check my Twitter, see who the Bucks picked, and that's great. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> it's four days is insane. It's so crazy. Awesome. All right, Kev. Anything else that we want to mention about these mock drafts? Because like once eleven is done, like we're gonna pack up our stuff, we're gonna go record a podcast, and the rest of the draft yep. kind of be damned if if there's news that and the Magic make a a big move while we're in the middle of recording obviously we'll talk about that but for the most part we'll be like oh it's, it's cool that oklahoma city took him and so and so right yeah that'll be interesting especially because the magic still have their second round pick which i honestly don't remember off the top of my head what that number is it's early 30s what 30 36 if i'm not 36 okay so that'll be interesting i the idea of us taking three rookies to me just seems impossible like i don't think that's i just, i would be stunned so more than likely, that second rounder is going to be going to be dealt. Maybe it's part of a package with one of the other first rounders, like we've talked about before, where they maybe deal one of those. But yeah, I would guess more than likely, unless there's a deal involving those first two picks, like you said, by eleven, the Magic's night is done. I can't imagine they they use that second rounder, but you never know. You never know. So, but yeah, man, I'm excited. You know, as you guys are listening to this on Monday, you know, a little over a week and some change away from. Another big night in Orlando Magic history, and uh, maybe maybe some new important guys that'll help us uh, reach the NBA Finals, like like the Nuggets will hopefully win on Monday night. So before we end here again, just want to give you guys a reminder of the draft party that the Orlando Magic are putting together at Amway. Again, that's going to be the twenty second. It is a Thursday. Doors open at six thirty. It's free, but you do have to reserve your tickets ahead of time so you can go to the Orlando Magic app or orlandomagic.com in order to do so. We're going to be sitting in section 106, so if you want to come and hang out with us during the draft, you're more than welcome to do so. If you want us to say what's up, if you want us to sign your baby's forehead, whatever, like you know, we probably won't do that. I'll probably respectfully decline, 
because that would just be a, a I would might call child protective services at that point like this guy or gal doesn't have the best judgment maybe maybe this child should be elsewhere right now but uh no would love to see you guys and we've been talking about trying to do some kind of get together before the draft that night and just kind of hang out and pregame a little bit with Harry Buffalo being gone and that was in such close proximity to Amway it was really the perfect spot for us and we've just been looking around and we haven't really seen any really good options so unless somebody reaches out and say hey I think this would be a, a great place there's a good chance that we just don't do that this year so I'm kind of throwing out a lifeline to our, our listeners and viewers if there's a venue five minutes a five minute walk from Amway we're trying to keep it pretty close that you think would be a, a good place to have you know between 50 and 100 people maybe hanging out before the draft go ahead and let us know we'll be happy to to, to meet up with you guys and just kind of hang out and, and talk Orlando Magic basketball before the draft so Kev I think that's about it I think we'll wrap this up all right yeah well Luke enjoy your vacation man I hope you especially enjoy this episode uh, but for uh, for Luke, who is not There's here, no way he's still listening. No, definitely not. He's 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 enjoying some kind of fruity tropical beverage sitting on on New Smyrna Beach right now. Facts. But for producer Kevin Tucker, uh, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You all have been listening listening to the Six Man Show, and we will catch you guys next time. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Sixth Man Show. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify to get new episodes downloaded directly to your phone. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps out the show a lot. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Six Man Show. We'll catch you guys next time. Go Magic!